0: Well done. He put his hand up and said, I'll do it, Lord. And here he is tonight. Getting stretched. <laughs> Thank you, man. Uh, hi, everyone. For those who don't know me, I'm bored um, My lovely wife, Relaine. I can beautifully take this mask off now. You beautifully did it
1: well. <laughs> my beautiful wife, Relaine, who
0: is... 20, 30 weeks pregnant today, or oh, yest- oh, yesterday. Oh. Getting very close now, so I got called up here to be part of the Father's Day thing. I was like, <laughs> I still don't have a cookie clue what it means to be a father. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> yeah, um, bar one for a 24-hour day. Yeah, yeah. Real yeah. man, it's a real man, 24 hours a day. 25 Five. <laughs> five. Yeah. And five, and over the top, yeah. Um, I think it's a good reminder for us men, you know, take ownership of being a man in the Garden of Eden Adam didn't own up to it. <laughs> I'm sure every man one day is going to look at Adam and say, "Adam, <laughs> you didn't lead well, friend." <laughs> but thanks be to God for His mercy and grace. we can always learn to do things better yeah so um yeah tonight we're doing things a little bit differently same as last week we're doing the preacher first and yeah i just felt like the word that i'm sharing and you know the songs that we've also sort of just put together it's i really feel like it's just such a nice way to respond to the word that i'm preaching tonight so yeah just ask you guys to open your hearts um let it get in there. Um, whatever is not from God, it's fine. You know, uh, let it go. But if God is speaking, to you, open your hearts, and yeah, I really, I would love for us tonight to just respond to that in worship. Um, that'd be really cool. Is that good? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so um, I, I sort of prepared a message just around what's been happening in the church the last season, and Isis will PM and the greater Josh Jane and I thought just before I start tonight with the word that I'm bringing I just sort of want to bring sort of reminders of where we find ourselves at this point in time. So last week Ryan's message for me was really good, we were here I listened to it online but it was really good for me, Um, he spoke about self-control, self-reliance, not relying on your own strength, learning to rely on the Holy Spirit um, and bearing fruit. Um, so that the world can see Jesus in us, you know, we can be the best person in the world, but if we don't bear spiritual fruit, how's Jesus going to be noticed? Um, you know, perseverance, obstacles that will come our way, uh, and ultimately just displaying Jesus to the world. And then, looking a bit further back, I really felt like we've been in a season of what it means to love each other. I'm sure a lot of you can. Can witness with me with that, like, what does it actually mean to love each other? Um, yeah, it's really. I felt like God was defining it for us. It's like it's not something that you see when you watch Friends on TV. <laughs> Friends doesn't define what love, loving each other, looks like. God does that, Amen. and I, I feel like sometimes a redefining of that needs to happen by God, so that we can really know what it means to love each other. Um, not saying we do at this point, but we're learning, aren't we? <laughs> Yeah, um, John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The best definition of love that you'll ever find. person that's willing to lay his life down. That's how Jesus defines it for us. Um, Andrew recently shared a post where he said, If you have no love for your brother, how can you possibly love God? And I think that's what the Bible says. If you're not not able to love your brother, it's not possible to love God. Because if you love God, you will love your brother. That's a good thing for us to measure up. So, I, I have a few questions here that I'm actually asking myself and I'd like to share with you guys how I'm answering these questions. And so they say when you're preaching, it's a lot like leading a community... The only difference is you ask the questions and you answer the questions. <laughs> so you're answering it on everyone's behalf. That's why everyone would usually make a joke. Good question. Let me answer. that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so how was I like challenged by this? Well, I was challenged that am I actually loving people? Um, I realized in many ways that I often find myself not loving the way I should be loving am i giving up my rights am i putting a 10 above everyone's heads i mean ryan was has been preaching that for a lot lately uh, and it really started showing to me something that, that andrew's been showing about cancel culture it's like how easily do we dismiss each other you know it's like you're not measuring up to my expectation dismissed you know so now there's no more value that you can add to me i'm done with it slightly like we do those things i really felt like I'm still doing those things. Like I easily dismiss people. Yeah, so I've been challenging in the love, learning how to love, uh, learning how to do it differently, and recognizing when I'm actually not doing it well. Um, so yeah, then from there I'm just moving to our bigger picture that we've had with the greater Josh G, this whole escaping Babylon thing. Um, just quickly want to go through that. Things that stood out to me, that man's rebellion against god is what secures satan's rulership in this world for no other reason it's our rebellion against god it secures his rulership and we learned about the mark of the beast this almond forehead thing that the hand is your actions that the head is your thinking you know and we also learned that this is actually a counterfeit of god's way um, like, Jews to this day wear these symbols on their hands and in, on their foreheads to, to be symbolic of, I'm, I'm, I want to think the way God thinks, I want to act the way God acts. Uh, so, yeah, thinking and behaving has been challenging. Um, and, yeah, so I, I ask myself these questions. So how much uh, do I give to the devil in my life? And how much do I give to God in my life? I mean, I think it's choices I make every day. It's like, am I... Now I'm doing it for him, or am I doing it for God? You know. Um, So, and one thing that keeps on popping popping up for me with this is our rights. (laughs) How much rights do we really have in the end of the day? Um, Can I give up my rights, and can I be okay with that? Bob Dylan sang a song. I'm going to quote Bob Dylan in a, in a preach. Because Mike Davis did this a couple of years ago. I thought it was cool. <laughs> Bob Dylan said, You will serve the Lord or you will serve the devil, but you will serve somebody. Mm. In the end of the day, you will serve somebody. And we, we learned through this escaping Babylon that if we serve ourselves, we're ultimately serving the devil. So does my life display a relationship with Jesus? Am I serving Jesus? Does my life display that? Um, So the main theme, I'm still sitting here with this escaping Babylon thing, is the main theme has been for us to come out of it. Come out of Babylon. That's been the main theme of this whole series. Um, And then to end it off, we learned that there's this horrible name that Revelation calls the Compromised Church. I don't even want to say the word, but it's a horrible name. And we learned that it actually refers to a compromised church. Um, I think it's a good wake-up call for all of us to shift our priorities on, you know, what the church really should look like. Um, we learned that the church struggles with legalism. So legalism, in short, rules and laws for everything boundary on that's the thing the very thing that saves you at the end of the day we know that is not true we know that you're saved by god's grace alone but we also learned that this was a, there's been a lot of license to sin in the church um, If we look at the new testament um, it wasn't just this legalism problem that's still on the one side of the spectrum on the other side of the spectrum there's this People now justifying, because they don't want to be legalistic, now they're justifying that it's okay to just do whatever you want to, Um, license to sin. Um, And we've learned that the church actually struggles a lot with this um, through the ages. A reminder that we are not saved by any kind of laws, we are saved by God's grace. And this is where I want to start today. (laughs) I just quickly want to do a little picture of what we've gone through this last season. Um, And that's really where I want to start today. I want to start with the word grace. Um, And what does the word grace mean? Um, What is grace? We find that the compromised church speaking about in Revelations is actually found misusing this word grace. It literally says that. That it's Misusing grace and I thought at this point just to quickly share my My um, story about legalism because I find this quite interesting So just to give you guys a little bit of a background. I come out of a background of I was a party animal abused drugs um, That's where I found my freedom You give me any, anything that would not make me sober and I'll be in my happy place. And that was my pl- way to get away from the world and all the problems and all the fakeness in the world and all these things. And yeah, that was really where I was in my early 20s. Um, and I went to the rehab and I got radically saved in rehab. God confronted me and uh, I realized that He is the truth and that He's actually the freedom that I've been looking for my entire life. Everything I've always been looking for and the other things was actually meant to be found in Him. And I, Nobody preached to me, nobody ministered to me. God literally came into my room and just started showing me <laughs> and i was that night i was convinced that god is so real he's so alive um, and the funny thing for me coming out of that is i grew up in a background i think heading up to where i found myself in that place in my life was i grew up in a background where i went to church and i'm not naming or saying any church that has done it wrong here tonight but i went to a church where A lot of things were said, but a lot of things weren't ever done. I I never saw Jesus actually changing somebody. Um, I I saw a lot of people saying that they're Christians, but they're doing things that Christians ought not to do. And so even in my drug-using years, these people who used to do these things with me who called themselves Christians. I I took a lot of pleasure in showing them that they are not Christian. Like, your Christianity is so dead if you're doing what I'm doing. Um, And yeah, so I was the prime suspect to actually be against legalism because it's like doing the right thing is not going to change your life. Um, And for some reason, I always found myself, this is not when I got saved, I found myself like, I can't get away with these things anymore. Like, I can't justify my sin anymore. Like, I was the prime suspect to say it's okay to to just do things wrong and you know apologize later. But for some reason when God came into my life, that's the last thing I wanted to do. I was like, look man. Like for of this, so I guess it's like almost I grew up with this hatred towards legalism, but once I got saved, I almost leaned more towards it. Mm-hmm. And away from just do whatever you want. Because I realized I needed to be saved for myself. And I was like, I need some rules in my life. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just my personal journey with that. And just want to focus on the word grace. Morning, Titus 2, 11, 12, please. So let's see what the Bible says about the word grace. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So we read here, what does grace do? It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. So not godly passions, worldly passions that leads to nothing good. Um, And it enables us to live godly lives. So here we see this is very far away from an excuse to sin. It actually enables us to stop sin. It enables us to make those choices. Um, so, essentially, getting rid of the bad stuff. This is what grace does when we get saved. Um, bad stuff that doesn't represent Jesus. And doing more of the good stuff. <laughs> nice and easy for you guys. Get rid of the bad stuff, don't start doing more of the good stuff. It sounds a bit legalistic, eh? Um, so, grace is not a license to sin. It trains us to stop sinning and to live for God, no longer ourselves. It's horrific to think that we have been saved from this, and somehow we find in some church movements that it's not the very thing that we preach, that it's okay to do these things. The very things that we need to turn away from. The Bible calls it, in Revelations, when it speaks about misusing grace, it calls it false, insufficient grace. not true and it's not sufficient for a life of godliness the very reason we needed to be saved we realized we could not save ourselves i needed to be saved from myself so let's chat about getting rid of the bad stuff in our lives the bad stuff (laughs) i've got her again so i'm talking to (laughs) minion So when it comes to getting rid of ungodly things in our lives, there's our responsibility and then there's God's responsibility. So our responsibility, like I said earlier today, earlier tonight about the men, it's actually owning up to it. Owning up that we are not honoring God. Owning up that we're actually sinning against God. Saying, God, I made a mistake. Adam, God, I didn't tell Adam not to you. I just did nothing. (laughs) Sorry, Adam. I think for the last 2,000 years, people have been referring to you in that way. Yeah. So that's our responsibility. owning up to it. Then there's the Lord's responsibility. I want to say, who here, you guys can stick up your hands with me, Knows that the Lord is on a mission to kill you. <laughs> is everyone aware of that? Mm-hmm. Lord is on a mission to kill parts of your life. Uh, More I keep it up. Matthew 16, 24, please. There we go. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever will save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So we talk here about dying to self. So if you've been in Josh 10 for more than a day, you know, you've heard the word dying to self. Um, What does it mean? It means dying to your selfish nature. Dying to trying to save your own skin. And not knowing that you absolutely need Jesus to save you from yourself. Bible teaches if we don't die with Jesus we won't be raised with Him. The life of God exists where the burial of self is happening daily. That's where the life of God exists. quick quote by a man called James I think a lot of you would be familiar with this quote. He said, it's no fool who gives up in this life what he cannot keep to gain in the life to come what he can never lose. We we'll talk here about eternal values um, so do we know tonight that there are parts of us that is not going to inherit the kingdom of God so we talk about dying to self, we talk about parts that have died, we talk about parts that still have to die can we all agree that parts of us is not going to inherit the kingdom of God and will need to be left behind It's not welcome in heaven. I think that is a reality we all need to sort of wrestle with. Um, But Jesus is on a mission to deal with those parts in us. He begins with the obvious stuff. So what does the obvious stuff look like? Addictions like smoking, getting drunk, swearing, drugs, sexual immorality. So when we get saved, Jesus starts dealing with all of these things. But I want to say that after that he starts moving to deeper stuff. Mm-hmm. So what does those deeper stuff look like? And I can put it all, all under one bar- uh, banner. And that is our character. Jesus starts dealing with who we are as a person. Mm-hmm. Did you know <laughs> God is more interested in your character than your gifting? Mm-hmm. Did you know that? Gifted men are using the gifts in the world to advance their own kingdoms. God gifted men. Does that mean they're advancing God's kingdom? By no means. Just because you're gifted doesn't mean you're advancing God's kingdom. In Romans it says the gifts of God are irrevocable. Tongue twister. What does irrevocable mean? It says... Not able to be changed, reversed, it's final. So if God's given you a gift, it's not able to be changed, reversed, it's final. You've got the gift. You won't take it away from Him. Be careful with your gifting. Just because a person is very gifted does not give them the ability to handle the things of God well. Character will keep you standing firm, gifting, if emphasized too much, can actually shipwreck your faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Good. So, you've got a massive ability to preach, you've got a massive ability to lead worship or whatever it is. There's no character. That thing can actually shipwreck your faith. So when I think of character, I always think of this scripture, and God spoke to me powerfully in the first year of my salvation through this, and it's probably my favorite verse in the whole Bible, it's Philippians 1, 11. so we've got the NIV version there, I'm going to read you guys the NLT, because that's what I was reading in my first year of salvation, but I think it says the same thing, it says here, may you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. Did you guys hear that? May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation. The righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ. For this will bring much glory and praise to God. So, look, what stands out for me here is that praising God, the character He produces in your life, will bring Him much praise and glory. Much more than standing here on a Sunday and saying, Lord, we glorify Your name, we praise Your name. The Bible says that the character that God produces in your life will bring Him much glory and much praise. Isn't that amazing? character, saying no to whatever does not represent Jesus and His kingdom and yes to whatever does. The Jude 1 verse 3, more man, please. Dear friends, I should just read the NIV version. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation this year, I felt that I had to write an urge you to contend for the faith that was once and all entrusted to you. And this was something um andrew preached about in the in the last escaping babylon series and just something about we've been called to defend the faith that's been entrusted to us so just quickly going through what i've reminded everyone of today we looked at loving each other escaping babylon coming out of her grace the ability to say yes and ability to say no dying to self and I want to say there's a real sense that we have been called to do these things. It's a calling to defend these truths. Like these are things that the Bible teaches us, but we've been called to defend these things, to uphold it. Mm. It is a calling. If we just let everything happen, going with the currents of the world, not actively engaging with God's word, we might find ourselves being a compromised church. It's as simple as that. This horrible church we learn about in Revelation and I want to say there is no good thing laid up for the future of the compromised church there's nothing good going to come from that and so this um, thank you for listening to me this long <laughs> um, this, this yeah I just want to I think I'm almost done or not quite but this this brings to me a top to me to a topic that I've had on my heart for quite for the last season, um, and I, I just feel like the Lord is constantly um, speaking to me about this, and it's it's about the word freedom. So we sing a lot of songs about freedom, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we praise God for freedom. It's really amazing when you see God setting people free um, and just bringing breakthrough in their lives. But what does the word freedom mean? We can say that it means to come out of Babylon. The Israelites came out of Egypt, out of slavery. God said, Let my people go so they can worship me. Um, Galatians 5 verse 1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. John 8 31 says, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free so we read there abiding in jesus and the truth of that will set us free that's what it means to be set free so what does freedom look like well i'm answering the the questions for you guys um what does freedom look like freedom from the bondage of sin right we are free from bondage sin had in our lives. Um, freedom to be able to forgive releasing someone who has hurt or disappointed you that's a big one i've seen people powerfully set free from those things but i found a key to freedom in galatians 5 verse 13 to 25 I'll read, let's read this together. Is that the NIV? I'm not sure which version this is. Maybe I should just read this with you guys. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out for you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit was contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, Those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the key verse here for me was verse 17 and I'm just going to read the translation I have here. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things You want to do. For me that's a key when it speaks about. This whole word starts off. You were called to freedom. But it says this whole thing. Keeps you from doing what you want to do. So can I say. Based on that scripture. Freedom. Means to not be dictated. By the desires of the flesh. But to walk in God's spirit. Can I say that to you? So, you're no longer enslaved to the dictates of your flesh, but you are led by God's Spirit. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So, the context here is actually they were addressing legalism, they were talking about circumcision, that nothing we do can earn salvation. You can't add to Salvation that Jesus has given us circumcision means nothing only the blood of Jesus can save and only a bided life in Jesus can produce good fruit so here we get now to the interesting part which I really enjoy talking about <laughs> does freedom mean we are released from the pressures of life I think we get that wrong sometimes I'm not free because I have to work so hard right now. (laughs) My boss is telling to me. I'm not free, I need to be freed from this. Does it mean we are released from these pressures when God speaks about freedom? Yes, the effects of sin in the world causes a lot of problems. But I want to say God puts pressure in your life. He introduces trial after trial in your life. Is he being harsh when he does that? Is he taking away your freedom when he allows these things to take place? When Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, the life. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I want to suggest that he brings greater freedom into our lives, the person of Jesus, when we allow him to do what he needs to do in our lives. So for me, that almost speaks of like, I don't actually know how to get free, but he does. And I need to allow him to do whatever he needs to do so that I can walk in more freedom. Interesting question. And I'm sure by now all of us should be able to answer this one. Does Satan offer us counterfeit freedom? He offers us release from the pressures of life. Did you know that? Satan will provide an easy way out. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Temptation leads to sin, and sin leads to death. I want to say that nobody would sin in this room if he didn't like it. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? The only reason we sin is because we actually like to sin. <laughs> do you agree with me or do you strongly disagree with me? <laughs> but it's lack good. sad as it is. <laughs> we enjoy Satan. That's why we do it. Can we sometimes try to find freedom in Satan's ways? And I said you reacting instead of responding in a godly way. So what do, what do I mean when I say that? Galatians 5.13 for your call to freedom brothers only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another we see here that the way of freedom walking in freedom is actually to go down and I want to remind everyone that going up in God's kingdom actually means going down taking the lowest seat That is the way of freedom. Laying down your rights. So I want to ask everyone here tonight, are you okay with laying down your rights? Do you you still feel like you've got rights in God's kingdom? (laughs) Are you okay with that? I want to suggest that if you are truly free, you will be okay with having no rights whatsoever. We'll be totally fine with that. Are you submitted to God? It comes down to trusting Him and trusting the leaders He's placed over you as well. If He is the truth, only He can truly bring you into freedom. You guys agree with me? Trusting God for release, refreshing, breakthrough in the trials and pressures of life. Only trust in God for that. So are we really free? And I want to say very often we find we are not. I have to look at my own life, right now. Well not right now, but I often find moments where I'm like, right now you're not walking in freedom. So where do we run to when the pressures of light life hits us? the precedence of life are going to come your way no matter what you do. When we are faced with trials which is more than often God's work in your life. Where do you run to? Do you run to God and put to death what's ungodly? Do you defend the truth he has entrusted to you? I want to remind us tonight that that is our calling, that is the way, that is the truth. This will keep us free and walking. set us up to walk in more freedom. So there are counterfeits to these things, like I mentioned earlier. What is a counterfeit of walking in God's freedom? And the main one that comes up for me is rebellion. Rebelling. So what does rebelling mean? Well, look at any, any communist party in this world and you'll find lots of rebellion going on. <laughs> rebellion means a reaction towards something. Rising against an opposition or resistance against. You leave something that was done wrong against you. And rising up against that. So we, we mean like, well, what about the injustices in the world? Are we not supposed to do anything about that? Should we not defend these people? I want to say there's a godly way to do it and there's a rebellious way to do it. I will do things my way. What's that Frank Sinatra song? I did it my way. Richard Gordon says that's the anthem of hell. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be reminded in this moment Man's rebellion secures Satan's rulership in this world. Even when we think we are taking control, subtly we are giving rulership to the devil and rebelling against God. This is not freedom at all. So this is where we can be reminded of the swing that we see in the New Testament between license to sin and legalism and the one just reacting against the other one in an ungodly way. We need to be so careful that our responses to the problems in our world is not from the flesh. A reaction rather than responding in a godly way. This is challenging. But this is what it means to walk in freedom. Galatians 6 verse 8, more note please. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. Be careful how you respond to the wrongdoings in this world. Social justice, racial equality, these things all end up, ends up in things like cancel culture that we've learned a lot about in the last season. And these things are actually demonic at its core, the way that it operates. And this is something that should challenge us in our daily living. Small things we deal with every day. So God will apply pressure to your life to bring you into greater freedom. Yay, what a choice to hear. I think if we're truly free, we would embrace these things. If we truly want to walk in freedom. He will reveal to you where your character still needs to be changed. So that you can walk in greater freedom. So how does He call us to change? How does God call us to change? What does the Bible say about finding your life? Well, first you have to lose it. First second, you have to give it up. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. He calls us to die to ourselves, to give up our rights. So at this point, I, th- I thought I should mention, and I spoke. Minim Gubis was speaking about this yesterday, and Samuel as well. I think I saw Samuel on the stream. I was it Samuel? <laughs> but some of us has it easier than others. This fight for freedom. Some people are born into more struggles than others. So if you go, some people have more reason to react in the flesh than others. Does that make sense? Some people have more reason to be upset than others. And these are environments that we find ourselves in. And I want to say like, you know, we can't actually compare ourselves, our station in life to others, if we understand God's ways. We actually find that there's no room for that. And why? My question is, are all men equal? Is every person's station in life equal? And I'm reminded of Philippians 2, verse 5, where it says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. So instead of looking at, I'm God, I'm supposed to be there. He we actually went down rather. And that, that really for us is way, the way of the kingdom. Rather took the form of a servant. There was no room to compare our station in life with others. If there's anything like that in our lives, I, will, I'll, I can confidently say to you, in God, those things need to go there shouldn't be room for that rather than counting equality with God a thing to be grasped he emptied himself so we are called to serve we are called to go down and God resists the prideful so if you resist it then God's going to resist you. It's a hard thing to say, but I think in many ways it's true. We live in a world that teaches us every day how much rights we have. But man, every human on this planet needs to be saved from himself. So let's read James 1-12, to, to 15 Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I mean, tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it conceives, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And again, we, talk, we hear about the flesh actually the very thing that takes away our freedom when the trials of life come i cannot force god's hand in my life but i can allow him to continue the work that he's busy doing and promises to bring to completion i believe this will happen his ways the power of his grace if i live in him and he lives in me if you are continually living an abided life in Christ, you will produce good fruit. You will produce spiritual fruit. That's what the Bible says. But the yes, deal. I can take back my own life. I did it my way. I can take it back into my own hands. But where does that leave me? I want to remind us the very reason i needed a savior in the first place doing things my way i want to live my life and be sure it's no longer i who live, but christ who lives in me whatever comes out of this life i want i want jesus to come out so my question to everyone here tonight is is jesus enough for you is he enough is He enough for life and godliness? And I said, yeah, we certainly had no chance without Him, did we? And everyone said here to yeah, tonight, if you've been saved, if you've given your life to Jesus, you've come to that realization. Sin separates us from God. Relationship with God makes resurrection power available to us. It cuts away what does not produce good fruit. So Jesus comes to cut it away. <laughs> Only a life that continually abides in Jesus for everything. Almost like guys. Have I still got your attention? Mm. I'm making you think a lot. See, this is the part where I have to like pretend that I'm you guys answering my question Yeah, oh, that's so meaningful. <laughs> <laughs> so a life that continually abides in Jesus. So Jesus produces a character in the life that testifies of His power to change a person. And that will bring Him much glory and praise. Even if you are a good person in worldly standards, Jesus transforms the life you will look different than you did before. If you don't look any different, a question that should be asked, do you abide in Jesus for life? Or are you finding your life in other things? How does your relationship with Him look? Or are you just plain being a Christian? Hebrews 5 verse 7 says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered our prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. And really what stands out to me here is even Jesus did not dare do things in his own strength. He needed the Father to help him. Doing things in your own strength, I want to say that you will be tested on this, and you will see that you are failing. <laughs> Guaranteed. It's almost like we've all been set up, and God will test us on this. So I just said, look. So I feel like, like in the last season, for us, myself, and Elaine. What that looks like is I feel God's come and challenged the way that we use our tongues. It's not like in our relationship, it's not like we're swearing at each other or saying mean things to each other, it's just the way that we say things sometimes is a bit sharp. And we're seeing that nothing good is coming out of that. Actually, it's like the flesh just gets wild, eh? Mm-hmm. I really feel like God's challenging us at the moment in that. And yeah, I feel like where where did that start? There was some message that had nothing to do with it and suddenly most just got convicted like Yo, the use of our tongues and we haven't we haven't actually had massive breakthrough in it yet we still trust in god but that's that's something that we really have to that has to change i love you so i will be sanctified till the day i die we need to settle that in our hearts it will never stop philippians 3 verse 20 says our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Saviour, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body, by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. So Jesus has the power to transform us, and He will use all things to accomplish this. Everything. So that's that should go over your head at this point. It's like, I don't know how He does it. How can He use everything? I can't grasp everything, can I? I want to read Philippians 1, verse 3 to 11 to us again. And that's why I want to end off tonight. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm sure of this, that you began a good work in you so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness the NLT says the righteous character produced in your life to the glory and praise of God so this is where I want to end off tonight and I think this is a good point for all of us just to go into a responding worship I'd love for us to just as we go into worship tonight Just to bring ourselves before god's god i give up my rights i'm yours god change me into what i need to be changed into, and sort of maybe make a commitment in your heart when it gets hard when the trials come i'll consider that you are at work (laughs) and something godly can possibly come out of this (laughs) and saying no no to those things that do not look like jesus and his kingdom is that cool Tion, you had a scripture? Yeah. So we can all stand up. Let's get it let's get into worship. Can worship teach God, please?